بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولاه Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream Today on Yom Arafah Which is one of the, the most blessed days It is the most blessed day of the year Of course Laylat Al-Qadr would be the most blessed night of the year But Yom Arafah is a blessed day and it's a day in which um, most of us will be fasting. And if you're not fasting, then you could at least increase some ibadah. And today we're going to turn to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yesterday we didn't stream, as you must have realized, because we had a big, big event Sunday that ended way late at night, from 7 in the morning to 11 p.m. And when we got here, we realized the, ca- oh, the cameras aren't here. And then by the time we got them, because we used the cameras, by the time we got them, it was too late. Nonetheless, we had been uh, reading the tafsir of Surat Al-Jumu'ah. Okay. And we will pick up from that because that's all we do. Reading, 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 reading. And that's how you're going to learn. Okay. Uh, I see some of you commenting on our logo rebrand, which that logo will be shifting around everywhere now and and we will be swapping it out and it's um uh a more sleek version of it less busy the uh and it has the name right there in it uh so that was the new logo and um just a little tweak uh, the old logo is a great logo too but it's for for digital content it's a bit uh, busy and that oh the old logo has a black and white uh what's called in islamic art and architecture the jagged ablaq ablaq but jagged okay going like this and i thought i loved it i always loved it but also at the same time i thought it's it's a good symbol of the dunya because it's black and white and the dunya is good things and bad things dunya will always have good things and bad things in it so uh it was like the 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 ocean that the ship is on symbolically is like the dunya so and there are some things about the dunya that i wanted to talk about but firstly we have to get back to where we left off in surat al jumuah okay a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim qul ya ayyuhalladhina hadu in za'amtum annakum awliya'u lillahi min dunin nas okay fatamannaw al maut in kuntum sadiqin this ayah says, so, O oh you uh, who have been guided, yeah, the Jews, if you say that you are the awliya of Allah and nobody else is, you say you're the chosen people and nobody else is, then why don't you want to die? Okay, so seek death so that you can go to paradise, right? You would want, if you know you're going to paradise, you wouldn't be afraid of death. Is that right, young man? If someone's going to paradise, heaven, he would not be afraid of dying, right? Because what comes after death is way better. Okay? But Allah tells us, they would never, ever desire mot. Okay? Why? Why, do, why would they be afraid of death if they know that they're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Simple answer. Their deeds are terrible. They betrayed so many prophets. So they don't want to go and uh, 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 to, uh, to, 
to face the reckoning of their actions. Remember when you recite Quran, the ta should not have a whistling to it. It should be ta 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 dry ta should not have a whistling to it. Okay. ثُمَّ تُرَدُّونَ إِلَىٰ عَالِمِ الْغَيْبِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ فَيُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ Then you will be, you will be, whether you like it or not, okay, you will be returned into a world in which you are in bodies and your, God, your Lord will judge you, okay, what you used to do. This is uh, it's essence of the concept of religion, but in Judaism they don't have a concept that you're going to go back, uh, uh, if there's a resurrection, you're going to be judged. It's almost as if the uh, the afterlife is just like a maybe, maybe not. You know that in, in, in Judaism, that's how, that's how it is. It's not certain. It's not an article of faith that there's an afterlife. The way we have as an article, of, or part, it's, it's the essence of Christianity and Islam. There's an afterlife, right? And that's where all the justice if justice doesn't happen in this life, it happens there. Okay. Right. And there's heaven and there's hell. But they don't have this concept. And I was shocked when I was teaching at Yale and um, a Jewish girl, I passed a sign-in sheet around and she says to me, can you just write my name? And I looked puzzled and she said, yeah, because it's uh, one of the high holy days, we can't use tools. Right. So I said, okay, I respect, you know, you following your law. So we, we end up talking uh, because there were other students were coming in. And I said to them, there's two Orthodox Jewish students. And I said to them, tell me guys something. Um, the Maimonides, of course, Maimonides is the Andalusi rabbi. He's a major Andalusi rabbi from Andalusia. And he migrated and he became the doctor of Salah al-Din al-Ayubi. And his nickname is the Rambam. The Rambam. You like that nickname? Rabbi Moses Ben Maimonides, the Rambam. So he's their Jewish rabbi. So um, I asked him, he's a big deal in Judaism. He said, yeah, he has a lot of writings, mainly in medicine, but we consider him a heretic. I was like, why? He's like, because he took a lot from the Muslim scholars. He borrowed from the Muslim scholars too much. And he borrowed things from the Muslim scholars uh, that were not... Did you type it in? Maimonides heretic? Yeah, see? So he he borrowed too much from the Islamic scholars. He took the our books of Aqidah and he basically mimicked it. And he said, for example, what is necessary for, for belief in God? What is impossible to believe about God? What is possible? And then one of the arkan is he said that there's heaven and hell. Okay? And Maimonides is considered a heretic for that. So I was like, what do you mean that you don't, heaven and hell is not, um, you know, part of your beliefs? They're like, yeah, there's maybe an allusion to it in the Torah. I was shocked. I was like, well, then what is the purpose of all this law that you do? All this sacrifice, all this essentially misery. It is miserable. You cannot tell me it's misery, young man. If you married a woman... And she shaved her head bald. Would you be happy? That's the law. You know that? If you either cannot combine, you cannot combine between your hair and a husband. Pick one. Pick one. Hair or husband. 
Yeah, so they have to wear a wig, right? But you cannot have your own hair. Are you telling me she's walking around the house with a wig all the time? And what happens when that falls falls off? For example, during certain marital activities that are naturally, you know, physically involved. This is enjoyment. Uh, this is... So for what are you doing this? They're like, just for, the, for, for being Jewish. Okay. Just to prove that you're Jewish. So that's all it is. Where is the reward for this? So that's why Allah is mentioning this. Is if you are truly the people of Allah, then you should have no problem dying and going to heaven. But Allah says, لا يتمنونه أبدا يا أيها الذين آمنوا إذا نودي للصلاة Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then uh, addresses the believers. Because the first one was, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ هَادُوا Those who were called Jews or called the guided ones. And in the past, they were guided. There's no doubt about that. Up until Prophet Isa, all the, they as an ummah at large were on the haqq. As an ummah at large. But when it comes to uh, um, their prophets, yes, they, they did many wicked deeds. And finally, the last straw was what they did to the Prophet Jesus, Isa ibn Maryam. So he then says, Ya If the call to prayer is given on Friday, okay, okay, then, Why did Allah say, rush to the dhikr of Allah and leave off trade? Because the previous week, and Jummah was not a fard yet on the, on the Muslims. It was a custom that they were observing. Okay? It was a custom. In that custom, they would give a speech and gather on Friday. So it wasn't obligatory upon them. The drums beat. And in the olden days, when someone beats a drum, that means there is something unique entering the city. So they all go and they see what's entering the city. And they find a big caravan filled with khairats, raisins and different foods and things like that. And in those days, that would be sold real quick. Okay, So they all ran to get their share of the goods. Okay, And those people would come in, set up their stalls, and they would sell really quick. So they all left the Prophet ﷺ except the 12. 12 Sahaba did not leave the Messenger Muhammad ﷺ. And so the Prophet, peace be upon him, then um, said, if you had all left, this whole city would have burned. So next week now, Allah made it obligatory and specified, no buying and selling during this time. Okay, Because also, the, the, it was a noble sahabi, I think it was Abdurrahman ibn Auf, who had come in with the caravan at that hour. And he, he wasn't, there was no law against buying and selling at that time. So, um, so he ate. Uh, he, he bought and sold. I'm fasting. I'm thinking of iftar time. <laughs> so he, he, he bought and sold. And there's nothing, there was no pro- prohibition there. So now the prohibition comes down. Let's see now what the Mufassirin says here. وَأَرَادَ بِهَذَا النِّدَاءَ الْأَذَانَ عِنْدَ قُعُودِ الْإِمَامَ عَلَى الْمِنْبَرِ لِلْخُطْبَةِ There can be two adhans on Friday. The adhan of dhuhr and the adhan of qu'udul imami. You know that in my PhD, I did i'rab of everything. If an Arabic word came after of, 
I made it. Uh, I made it makhfud, uh, majrur. Right. I gave it jar. So I wrote, for example, of Imam Al Haddad. I wrote the whole PhD with Arab of like words like of the word after it. I made if it was Arabic, I made it majrur. Like for example, uh, this was in the letter of Imam Al Haddad. I put Imam Al Haddad, right? Majrur. And then there was professor there Matrudi. He didn't like me at all. He did not like me at all. I think he's in like a Athari, uh, Hanbali maybe. But he was annoyed the entire exam. I wonder if he's still around. I don't know. But uh, he was, I think, a Salafi scholar. But he was annoyed the whole th- time. And he said, he's, he looked over to his partner. He says, is of harfajar? Right? <laughs> are there non-Arabic words that are harfajar? So he made me redo the entire thing. I had to redo the entire thing. I also did Arab uh, when it was mudaf and mudaf ilay. So anyway, so and uh, the adhan of qaud al imam. That's the adhan we're talking about. So if the adhan goes off for dhuhr, okay, I can still buy and sell. I cannot. I have to stop buying and selling. All right, as soon as the adhan of the imam comes, uh, the imam sits down on the member, and that event is given. Okay, we have some graduates from yes Sunday's graduation signing up here on Instagram watching. Congratulations, graduates! Yeah, they graduated Sunday. No, high school. So, yeah, yeah, they're the high school, summer school down the road. Okay. ابن عبد الله النعيمي أخبرنا محمد بن يوسف حدثنا محمد بن إسماعيل حدثنا آدم حدثنا ابن أبي ذئب عن الزهري عن السائب ابن يزيد قال كان النداء يوم الجمعة أوله, أوله إذا جلس الإمام على المنبر على عهد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أبي بكر عمر In the beginning there was one of them In the time of Abu Bakr and Umar and the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم They would sit at ظهر and, and the adhan would be called. However, in the time of Uthman, nas, there was a lot of people. Okay. Uh, sorry, there, the, there was... Hold on a second here. Yep. There was a lot of people, so he established a second adhan. So one adhan to inform people that they could start, start coming in. And then the second adhan when the imam. So both are sunnah. The one adhan is a sunnah. And two adhan is also a sunnah. وَقَرَأَ الْأَعْمَشُ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ بِسُكُونِ الْمِيمِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ So you can say Jumu'ah and Jumu'ah. Okay. قَرَأَ الْعَمَّةُ بِضَمِّهَ Most people say Jumu'ah. But Al-A'mash used to recite it, Jum'ah. So you can say Jum'ah in Arabic. It is Fasih. It is Lugha Arabiya Fusha. It is a correct sound uh, language to say. Dialect. And you can say Jum'ah. Why did they name it Jum'ah? لِأَنَّ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى جَمْعَ فِيهِ خَلْقَ آدَمَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ Because Allah gathered the creation 
of Adam السلام, on this day. And Adam السلام, was created on that day, finalized. Or because Faragha min Lemma Faragallahu min Khalki Adama Leanallah Ta'ala Faragha min Khalki Jamiel Ashiai Fajtamaat Fihi and Makhlukat. Also, that all creation was finalized on Friday. Also, that Adam السلام, was created and Allah gathered all of the angels and the creation to listen to his speech. Okay? All of these are possibilities and it could be all of them together. That the day of gathering was always Friday, whether it was the gathering of the creation or the gathering of Adam's body or the gathering of uh, the creation to listen to Adam's khutbah. The first khutbah of Jum'ah was by Sayyidina Adam السلام, and he was the ruh entered him on Jum'ah. And Jum'ah was given to the Jews, and Jum'ah was given to the Christians, but neither of them submitted to it. And they they wanted a different day. And they called for their prophet to give them a different day. So they called for Musa, السلام, give us Saturday. Because Saturday is the day in which everyone in the known world at that time, that was their sacred day. So Sayyidina Musa, السلام, asked Allah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, they can have Saturday, but they have to give me the whole day. That's the deal. You can have Saturday, but give me the whole day. They accepted. And as soon as they re- accepted it, they realized, ah, oh, it's too hard to do the whole day. So what would they do? They're not allowed to, to, to buy and sell the whole day. Whereas for us, we're not allowed to buy and sell for about 20 minutes of Jummah, right? So they're not allowed to buy and sell at all, the whole day. Okay? So what do they do? They put the nets in on Friday night. Uh, uh, Friday before Maghrib. Okay? The whole Friday, from Friday Maghrib all the way to Saturday Maghrib, that's a day and a night. Uh, the night first and then the day. They can't buy and sell. So what do they do? Asr time on Friday comes around. End of Asr, they put the nets in. Because Allah tested them and Allah has the right to test people. He has the right to test people's iman. And he tested them by showing them schools of fish jumping up on Friday. What? That's your you, that's the rule. Can't buy and sell. Can't fish. Can't work. So what did they do? They put the nets the night before. Okay. And that's where all the hiyal begin. All the tricks. All the legal tricks begin. Because you didn't submit. If you had just submitted to what you were told... Everything will be fine. If you had just said, okay, this is what Allah wants, that's what Allah wants. Discussion's over. Let's just keep it simple. All right? Take God's command and just practice it as much as you can. Right? But no, you have to ask and poke and pry and, and, and do all these things. Okay. Now, you're going to get what you wanted. You wanted to imitate the non-believers and you wanted Friday, Saturday as your day. And all of a sudden, you got it. But there's a deal is that it has to actually end up being the whole day you accepted that. Now you don't like it. So if you had just accepted Jum'ah, you could do trade for the rest of the day. All that Allah asks you for is 20 minutes. But no, we have to complicate things. We have to make things more difficult than it is. Okay, And this is the Judaic temperament is like this. The Judaic temperament, it begins with a mixture a lack of submission and a lack of love in the heart that makes you pry 
for legal ways out of things. But when you do that, you actually end up making things harder for yourself somewhere else. Okay. Things end up actually becoming harder for you. And then when it's harder for you, now you need other legal loopholes. So you follow your nefs. You end up following your nefs. And that's why a lot of these reformist groups, they want to follow their nefs on a certain mas'ala, on a certain issue. They want to follow their ego. So in order to get from point around the prohibition, they have to go and do loopholes, do gym, intellectual gymnastics. Well, okay, if that's what you want to do, if that's your methodology, now apply that methodology everywhere. Like when they don't, when they don't like a hadith, and they say, well, who's in the hadith? Abu Darda. Oh, no, 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 we can't accept from Abu Darda. Oh, okay. Well, then remove all of Abu Darda's hadith. See, what, see, see how, much, how many problems you're going to develop after that. Or it's a, let's say, forget a sahabi, they may not go there with a sahabi. Let's say they do that with a tabi. Okay? A tabi. And they end up going the same route with a tabi. Right? Otherwise, we got to remove him. Okay, remove him from all the hadith then. See what, how, how many problems that's going to give you. So this is exactly what they did. Okay. Wa'an ibn Sirin. Okay, firstly. Awwalu man sammaha jum'a Ka'ab ibn Lu'ay. Qala Abu Salama awwalu man qala amma ba'd. Ka'ab ibn Lu'ay. Wa kana awwalu man samma al-jum'a jum'a. Wa kana yuqalu lahu yawm al-awruba. In the beginning, it was just the day of remembering the memories of the Arabs, and they would call it the Arab day, essentially, Yom al-Uruba. And then Ka'b ibn Lu'ay, this is one of the great, 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 great grandfathers of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ibn Fihr ibn Ghalib ibn Ka'b ibn Lu'ay, okay? Uh, then he named it. He is the first one to give an introduction to praise Allah, then say, Amma ba'd. As for what is to come. That's what Ammabad means. Also, some people said Sayyidina Dawood said that, was given that too. So, and both could be true. Sayyidina Dawood did not influence the Arabs. They were living separately at that time. There was very little crossover. So Sayyidina Dawood may have said it. وَآتَيْنَاهُ فَصْلَ الْخِطَابِ فَصْلَ الْخِطَابِ is the split in the speech so the first half of Jummah the speech is praise of Allah then you say Amma Ba'd and then أتيناه الحكمة وفصل الخطاب أتيناه الحكمة وفصل الخطاب we gave him wisdom and but the more likely tafsir of we gave him wisdom and فصل الخطاب means we gave him wisdom and the ability to express it in such a way that separates the false from the true so that's actually more likely okay, to be the meaning of okay. But Ka'b ibn Lu'ay also said Amabad in Arabic and he's the one who named it Al-Jum'ah the day of gathering and it was the habit of the Arabs every Friday to give a speech. Now one of the reasons for this is that it actually helped them keep track of days. Right? It helped them keep track of the days. It's very fathomable, very likely, in a world there's no calendars, no watches, no clocks, no nothing, no pens, no papers, no timekeepers, to totally lose track of what day it is. Okay. Now the month, it's easy to find out that you're in a new month because you're going to see a new moon. 
I'm going to see the moon on the right like this. A nice sliver like that. That's a new month. You see it slivering on the other side. That's the end of the month. So that's actually easy. But the day you can, I'm sure, I'm positive. There were Bedouins out there roaming around in the desert. Not only they're everywhere in the world. That literally, if you ask them what days, they have no clue. And if you don't have a deen that makes you do things like Salat al-Jum'ah, it's more likely for people to not know. The, the, we're different right now. It's pretty amazing how people used to live. People used to live, they may not know what day it is. They might not have a concept of the month. They may not have a concept of how old they are, right? Because they didn't write their, they didn't have, if you don't have days and months, and you don't have record keeping, obviously, you're not going to know how, how old you are. You cold? A little bit cold? Here. Yeah. Give you one degree up. So they were living around and they didn't know what day it was, how old I am, what month it is. All you know is the season. Now imagine this. Imagine you're in that time. Imat, you going? Okay. Take care, young man. You come back? Okay, good. Imagine you go um, and you're living in one of those areas and you're traveling and traveling and traveling and then you get up to Scandinavia and the day keeps getting longer and longer and longer without you realizing it until the day is like entering into the period of time where it's six months. Okay that period of time now of course that doesn't happen all of a sudden it happens drastically but it, just imagine the mindset of people what were people thinking back then and by the way we don't believe that people were just dummies and lost no allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always been helping people okay always been sending malaika to give guidance to people even in their dunya okay and knowledge of the dunya is extremely important i was just reading from shifa al-qadi ayyad the Shifa of Qadr Iyad, he was saying there that the prophets must have, they have absolute perfect knowledge of deen. And they have perfect knowledge of the dunya in general. Generally, the, the industry of fishing, generally the industry, like how does trade work? How does a dunya work? Why, he said. He said, we must affirm this because the prophets came to legislate the dunya. The use of the dunya. How can they legislate something that they're unaware of? They come to do dawah in the dunya. So they must know the politics of the tribes that they're dealing with. Which actually shows that a Muslim who excels in the dunya, this is this is something important. Okay, It's important to excel in the dunya. Because the sharia applies to the dunya. Where does the sharia apply to? To the dunya. You can't apply Babel Buyur the chapter on trade if you don't know anything about business you can't apply the the commandments to dawah if you don't know the inner working politics of the community that you're dealing with you're just gonna step on mines and blow things up and, and destroy everything right if you have are clueless so the concept and the idea that a person lock himself up and just study the deen day in and day out this actually sheikh zuhair is against this he himself he had a law degree Right, he was proficient in a secular field, right? The the field of uh, whatever the uh, Algerian law was, okay. 
And he recommends people be proficient in a field, some fields, have some worldly knowledge. You need some worldly knowledge because where does a sharia apply? You apply it to the world. So, and this idea, and I'm telling you, I've suffered from it. Many have suffered from it of seeing people who just lock themselves up. All they do for their whole life is memorize the Quran and memorize fiqh and study and teach but they actually never interact with the world. They end up driving everyone absolutely nuts because their perspective is skewed on everything. They're completely impractical and probably because they put all their eggs in the one basket and, and that mountain got really high, of that knowledge got really high, I'm telling you some kibbutz gets involved. No doubt about it. Some arrogance is involved there, Right? Because you're so much, or you imagine yourself, maybe you are, extremely proficient in one silo, right? And you don't even, but you don't even know how this would apply in the rest of the world or what uh, about the rest of the world. Just focus on one thing. And then when you, you measure everybody by that one silo, imagine somebody who was really good at doing push-ups. And they, it's not so difficult within a year to with your eyes closed, knock out 500 push-ups a day within a year. It's not unfathomable. Anybody, no matter how skinny you are, right? You just, your arms get used to it and you get big and you get strong, right? 500 push-ups a day, easy. Then everyone that you look at, you measure them on their chest and their bicep, right? You're just tunnel vision. No. Proficiency in having some knowledge of the dunya. There are some scholars out there. Sometimes you see the best of scholars is because they have perspective and they're doctors. And all those scholars with Sheikh Hussein Abdul Sattar, a lot of them followed his path. They're physicians and they're scholars. And I had not ever met Sheikh Hussein Abdul Sattar until last December, Umrah. And I, it's a funny story. I saw him. Someone said, oh, that's Sheikh Hussein Abdul Sattar. I walked right up. I said, Assalamu alaikum. He looked at me and said, Waikum Salaam. And I was like, okay. I mean, he's really a big scholar. He's a doctor. I don't expect him to maybe have, you know, um, the, that, that kind of personality that's out there in bubbly. Next day, I'm sitting there having the breakfast. He comes up to me with a big smile on his face and he said, I need you... To uh, forgive me yesterday. Firstly, I didn't know who you were because I don't watch the internet, he said. And secondly, I had the most massive migraine and he has a migraine problem, right? I had the most massive migraine. He went on and was so gracious and so kind and so um, um, effusive in his support for the work that we do here that I was embarrassed because he's older than me. He's older than me. He's extremely accomplished, if you ask me. Someone who is a medical doctor, not just any old medical doctor. He's in his field. If all he did his whole life was just the medical field, he'd be accomplished. Because he wrote the book. I think he studies diseases. Uh, pathology, I think, is his field. Pathology. He applied, I think, like the taxonomy, the way of organizing knowledge in the Sharia. He applied that to the field of pathology, wrote a textbook, and that textbook now 
is the textbook. You don't you don't go through medical school through pathology without reading his book in one of the classes. And I also heard that in his school or in medical school, he teaches at the medical school. He teaches like it's a dars, right? He sits, he opens the book just like we're open the book, and he gives the dars. And his students, they love it so much, right? That uh, at one point they told me like they printed T-shirts. It's like a little pathology cult because they love this class so much. He didn't do it the the didn't do it the way like many professors do it. Just show a slide or show a video. He opens the book. So there's no distractions, just the book, right? And I even heard at one point they were sitting in a circle. <laughs> so um, proficiency in a worldly field is extremely valuable. In some worldly field, there's no such thing as just dean, 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 that's it, okay? There he is. He, he pulled up. You know this book. Subhanallah. Fundamentals of Pathology. Usul al-Pathology. Usul al-Amrad. It's essentially what he t- titled it. I guarantee you, if you open the book, you're going to recognize like the, uh, the probably going to have the tasmiyah, the fada'il of the subjects, right? <laughs> All right. The, uh, the benefit, the thamra. You know, the, te- the there are ten- oh, you have, you can download the book. Just open it up. Yeah, let's see, let's see what the index looks like. The usul here. Chapter one, principles, uh, go, back, go back to the, no, go back to the index. Yeah, there. Yeah, there, stay there. All right. Contents, chapter one, inflammation. Chapter two, principles of neoplasia, whatever. Chapter four, homeostasis. Okay. Chapter five, red blood cell disorders, white blood cell disorders, vascular pathology, cardiac pathology, respiratory pathology, so all the diseases of the, the, the blood cells, the diseases of the, then he gets to the gastro, the diseases of uh, the respiratory system, all these. And when you look at it, it's just like, it literally, to me, has the same look and feel as a fiqh manual, where Roman number one, boom, A, boom, boom. That's how it is. So excellence in a field of the dunya. Also, it removes from people a lot of, uh, you know, feeling like you, you're useless, right? The feeling of uselessness, the feeling that you're you're not effective in life, that you can't earn a salary. It's not accepted. So that's when people they think like, oh, I have to study Ulum dunya I'm taking these IT classes, and I should be studying fiqh. You can study fiqh, but you need to know, be good at a field, right? Be good at something. I read that yesterday in... Uh, Shifa of Qadriyat. You never cross past a, a book in your house except you take it and just give it a minute or two minutes. Okay. I have to visit their, their center in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting there. Uh, University of Chicago, I believe. That's where he teaches. وعن ابن سيرين قال جمع أهل المدينة وقبل أن يقدم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المدينة قبل أن ينزل يوم الجمعة وهم الذين سموها الجمعة Some people say that أهل, أهل المدينة called it جمعة أهلا ومرحبا بطلاب العلم أهلا ومرحبا بطلاب العلم 
وقالوا لليهود يوم يجتمعون فيه كل سبعة أيام وللنصارى يوم فهلم فلنجعل يوما نجتمع فيه فنذكر الله ونصلي فيه فقالوا يوم السبت لليهود ويوم الأحد للنصارى فاجعلوه يوم العروبة تفضلوا تكسيب كيف حالك يا How are you? Good تفضلوا so some people said we need to get a day to gather as well. The Christians gather every seven days. The Jews gather every seven days. We need to gather every seven days. Saturday, Sunday are taken. So let's make it Yom Al-Uruba, which was the day of Arabness. And we'll make it Yom Al-Jum'ah. Okay. فَاجْتَمْعُوا إِلَىٰ أَسْعَدْ إِبْنِ زُرَارَ فَصَلَّى بِهِمْ رَكَعْتَيْنِ وَذَكَّرَهُمْ وذكرهم فسموه يوم الجمعة ثم أنزل الله عز وجل في ذلك بعد. so that th- that it was the Ansar that came up with this idea and then Allah Taala supported it afterwards and Allah knows best which one of those is the strongest and the truth. وروية as we continue reading here from تفسير البغوي عن ابن عن عبد الرحمن بن كعب بن مالك عن أبيه عن كعب أنه كان إذا سمع النداء يوم الجمعة سمع النداء يوم الجمعة ترحم لأسعد بن زرارة فقلت له so every time he would see he would hear the adhan he would say uh, may Allah have mercy on أسعد بن زرارة I said every time you hear the adhan of Jum'a you Pray for mercy for Asad ibn Zurara. He said, yes. لأنه أول من جمع بنا في هزم النبيت من حرة بني بياضة في بقيع يقال له بقيع الخضمات الخضمات قلت له كم كنتم يومئذ قال أربعون Okay, so he's basically saying he's the first one to gather uh, us in an area Named such and such, and we were 40 people at that time. The first Jummah that the Prophet gathered with his companions. The people of the Seer said, and that the Prophet when the Prophet arrived at Medina, Muhajiran. Okay. المدينة مفعول به مهاجرا is a hal how did he arrive he arrived as a migrant he didn't arrive as a resident he arrived as a migrant is from the mafail okay from the mafail that describes how someone did that something okay what we would call an adverb in English this is a mafail نزل قباء he settled in قباء على بني عمر ابن عوف at the 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 area where Bani Amr ibn Auf used to live. وذلك يوم الاثنين لثنتي عشرة ليلة خلت من شهر ربيع الأول حين امتد الضحى. So this was on a Monday. Twelve days had passed from Rabi al Awal. So therefore, it is the same day of his birth and the same day as his death, according to some records. Because if we're going to be honest with the matter, it, there is many different sayings. Of when the Prophet was born, but this was one of them, okay, and the strongest of them, and is also that it also was a Monday, in which the Prophet may arrived at Medina, okay. 
and it was the twelfth of Rabi'ah al-Awwal too. فَأَقَامَ بِقُبَاء يَوْمَ الْإِثْنَيْنِ So he stayed in Quba on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and he established his masjid in those days. Then between he uh, uh, on Friday after Dhuhr, he left them. Okay, and while he left them, he left Friday morning. In the while the sun was up, adrakathu salat al jumuati salat al jumuati fi bani salim. When he was at bani salim, he was traveling through the the, the area of Salim ibn Auf. All right, in the the stomach of the valley fi batni wadin lahum. Dhuhr came in. Okay. وَقَدْ اتَّخَذُوا فِي ذَلِكَ الْمَوْضِعَ مَسْجِدًا They had already established a place for a masjid. There. فَجَمَعَ هُنَاكَ وَخَطَبُ So the Prophet ﷺ gathered there and he gave a khutbah. Okay. So it seems as if this was part of the Arab life. On Friday, when the sun is up, gather everyone, give a speech. Okay. And this was their method of knowing what day of the week it was. So... The days, the months we know because, as we said earlier, you see the moon in the sky, right? So you know what month you're in. You know the month is beginning and ending. However, how do you know what day it is? How do you pin? So one day has to have an event in it that pins us to that day. And it has to be pinned to also something that's also constant, which is the sun. So it makes most sense. When the sun is all the way up, that makes sense because everyone knows the sun's up, right? The sun is clearly up. The highest point it is where there's no shadow, literally. Okay? And there you give a speech. Okay? You give a speech about the affairs of the community. And then that will pin you. Now everyone could say, how many days since that? Right? One day passed, two day passed, three day passed. And if you have a group of people, you won't have a mistake on how many days passed. Okay, and so you see, the Deen of Allah Taala also gives us a worldly order to to help, and and this is what Islam provided uh, a worldly order, a way to pin down what day of the week it is, right? What uh, month it is, and all that. Okay, also the holidays, month of Ramadan. Month of Ramadan comes. Let's say you're out live as a Bedouin. You may not know. Oh, is it Musafir? Is it Jumad al-Ula, Jumad al-Thaniya But, or Jumad al-Ukhra But, once Ramadan comes Now you say, yes, we had we hit one full moon since Ramadan So we're, never, we're in the Now, we now have Hajj coming And so Hajj will be another pin So now we definitely know what month we're in Once paper and documentation developed Then, it was easy but you have to imagine that a lot of people in the world lived in a world without paper, without documentation, and they lived out in nature, like the Native Americans. Their life was so different, subhanAllah. Their life, they, the way they lived was... was um, it's one of those things that if there was ever a historical time period, I'd be interested to spend it a year. It would be that. If there was one incident I would like to see, it was the flood. The day of the flood. Firstly, I'd like to see what humanity was like at that time. Because they were Ummah Wahida, they were one nation. They were one people. They were not races, languages. They were one people divided up into tribes, but they were one group. And so 
I would be really interested in that to see what that was like. And then how do you live after the flood? You come down and there's only what, 50, 60 humans on the earth? How ajib is that? Or the very beginning when there's also just like 100 people on the earth. Well, well it's two. And then twins and then twins and uh, 20 sets of twins and then one single child. That's, that was the, the offspring of Satan Adam. 20 sets of twins, boy, girl, each one. That's 40 kids. And then when Qabil killed Habil, that made it 39 kids uneven. There's going to be a woman now who's not married. So therefore, Allah Ta'ala gave her a birth and Sheath was born. Sheath or Seth or uh, in English, Seth or Sheath was born. Finished, returned the number of males back to 20. So that every single boy and girl got married. And then once they produced more than two offspring, right? Then at that point, humanity is off to the races. Okay. And the population is expanding. Okay. I did hear from Olana Anis. He put something up, but he removed it. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a narration that was that he wasn't exactly um, solid about, but he had, did say that in Akhir zaman one of the problems of Akhir zaman is that childbirth will come to an end. And no, and then when everyone on the earth is over 40, then the Qiyamah comes upon them. So the Qiyamah does not come upon children and babies, right? Um, but my question is then, what about Allah saying, وَطَضَعُ كُلُّ ذَاتِ حَمْلٍ حَمْلَهَا does not Allah say every one woman who is pregnant will just ab- abort their or or or, or uh, miscarry their baby, their pregnancy? So I wanted to ask him about that. He took it down. So maybe it was like a narr- a saying or a narration that didn't have much um, strength to it. So he took it down. Anytime you come upon a book, and yes, I do mean a non-fiction book. Uh, there's two reasons why you should. Open it. Firstly, you're going to learn in the you're learn something, and when you open it and look at it, you don't have to read for a long period of time. At least for a, a, a section, a minute, a paragraph. Secondly, your Arabic gets better if it's Arabic books. Thirdly, it's a great contrast for your eyes from the phone, and people can be on their phone and screen so much, so much, that they end up. Uh, not being able to read anymore. Like they can't stand the boredom of ink on paper, right? Like this has so many colors and movement to it. So people who do that, all of a sudden they find themselves that they can't read anymore. So what's the solution to this? The solution is at least every day read for a minute. But you're never going to just read for a minute because your, your mind will start to adapt and then you'll start loving reading. By the end of a period of time, you'll be reading for a lot longer, Right? That's what Imam al-Haddad said. Knowledge is constant review. An ibn Sirin qala jama'a al-Madinu. We read this one. Mm, we read all the way here. Okay. Wa qawluhu ta'ala fas'aw ila dhikrillah ay fandu ilayhi wa'amalu lah Go to it immediately. No delays. No doing anything when you hear the adhan of Jum'ah for male residents who have passed, attained the age of puberty. Wa laysa al-murad min al-sa'i al-isra' It's not the, uh, does not mean a sa'i here, like the sa'i of Safa and, uh, like running. Okay. And a sa'i in Safa and Marwa is walking. 
only fi batnil masil or the area where the valley not really a valley but between the two mountains would dip so when you see the green lights those green lights used to uh, demarcate where the valley used to actually dip and they straightened it out now it's all straight so we just run um ta'assiyan taqdiran just as it's just imitation of where the prophet used to not run but move quicker he used to just run down the valley and up that's it now it's all flat so he does not mean here or al isra rushing wa inna al murad minhu al amal wal fi'l what is meant is action for it now all your action the only thing you should be doing is going to jumma kama qala wa idha tawalla sa'a fil ard so asai does not always mean running it just means movement Umar ibn Khattab used to read Famdu ila dhikrillah The qira'ah that he used to recite with was The lugha The dialect or the harf was Famdu ila dhikrillah wa dharul bayh Iza nudiya lissalati min yawm al-jumu'ati Min yawm al-jumu'ati Famdu ila dhikrillah wa dharul bayh and that's also Abdullah bin Mas'ud's recitation. Fandu, it's a different, it's go. Fas'aw implies movement quickly, but it doesn't necessarily mean rushing. Waqala al Hassan, Ama wallahi ma huwa bisa'i alay ala al aqtam. Allah does not mean rushing with the feet. Walaqad nuhu an yatu salata illa wa alayhi musakinata wal waqara. So he says here, it is not the rushing with the feet, and we have been commanded to arrive at Salah in peace and in respect. Rather, it is your heart and your intention that has piety and will and khushu'a uh, uh, and awe and thinking of nothing other than Jum'ah. وعن قتادة في هذه الآية قتادة says فاسعوا إلى ذكر الله السعي أن تسعى بقلبك وعملك السعي is with your heart and with your action okay. and, and that is doing nothing other than going to Jummah gathering your affairs so you can go to Jummah only كان يتأول قوله فلما بلغ معه السعي and for example, Sayyidina Ismail is described as When Ismail reached to be with Ibrahim at the age of Sa'i Means the age that he could walk with him and, and go places with him So a child may not go with you to your work A child used to keep him at home when you go to work But there comes a time when the child is old enough to now start coming with us okay? And that's what he meant by that so, for example, when do you take a child hunting? Hunting could be really dangerous. You may go out for three, three days without food. And then you may interact with wild animals on the way. You may have um, scorpions at night. You may have bugs at night that you're not sheltered from. So you don't take a child to that thing. You, take, you, take, you wait until they're like 10 or 11 or 12. أخبرنا أبو علي الحسين بن محمد القاضي أخبرنا أبو بكر أحمد بن الحسن الحيري أخبرنا محمد بن أحمد بن محمد بن معقل الميداني 
حدثنا محمد بن يحيى حدثنا عبد الرزاق أخبرنا معمر عن الزهري عن ابن المسيب It could be pronounced ابن المسيب or ابن المسيب عن أبي هريرة قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا أقيمت الصلاة فلا تأتوها تسعون If the إقامه of صلاة is called do not come to it running ولكن أتوها تمشون وعليكم السكينة والوقار Come to it walking and upon you is serenity and respect فما أدركتم فصلوا What you catch of it, pray it وما فاتكم فأتموا And whatever you missed, then make it up Okay وقوله إلى ذكر الله أي الصلاة And we'll stop here for the reading of the tafsir and we will um, pick up, inshallah, next Monday in terms of the tafsir because we can go to a couple other segments. First segment is that the... What's going on out there? Who's yelling and screaming like that? Is it, Are they screaming from back here? From there? Okay. Um, next segment, Arc View. Starting July 8th is back. Classes are back. Um, Sheikh Noah Saunders will be teaching tafsir uh, for Arcview Plus. Uh, Arcview Basic will have kids. We'll have tasawwuf. We'll have fiqh. We'll have uh, uh, also Arcview Plus. You have Sharh of Joharat al-Tawheed is consent continuing. The commentary of Sheikh of Joharat al-Tawheed by Sheikh Usama Salhiya. Okay, so that so go to arcview.org and sign up on Arcview and sign up for option one being Arcview Plus. Option two is Arcview Basic. Okay, so that's segment number two. I want to mention that. Uh, we also, Omar, can you pull up uh, our eye, eye care center? Who is our guy? Okay, Ocean County Retina. We have students here from the... Uh, Darul Fatih intensive, so you guys can um, go get your eyes checked. Ocean County Retina, right? And so um, he's one of our supporters, and he has a successful eye care uh, series of medical practice, number of offices where he sees patients, and may Allah give him tawfiq. Okay, now let, segment number three, I want to make a comment. When, when someone pulls up a quote, about a person that they find blameworthy. Is it fair for someone to reply and say, oh, that quote is from a long time ago? Is it, is it fair? If so, when? Omar, what do you think? If I bring up a quote, let's say I bring up one of your quotes, right? Someone says, for example, I'll ask from a long time ago. And just so, let me tell you, because people brought it up with me. They said, Sheikh Al-Buti, you love him so much. Look what they said. And people do this with other shiuch too, right? They pull up the quotes. Oh, you said this. Here, there it is in your book, blah, blah, blah. Your Sheikh's book, your beloved Sheikh, who you look up to, your elders. Is it fair now as a response to say, oh, that quote is from uh, five years ago. That, that video clip is from seven years ago. That clip is from 700 years ago. That quote was from 700 years ago. Is that a fair response? No. That's a logical fallacy, right? That doesn't change the fact of what it is. 
because the Jews, they killed Prophet Isa ibn Maryam, or they plotted against him, or they fanned him guilt, or at the very least, they rejected him, right? Did all the Jews reject him, or those who were living at that time rejected him, right? Those who were living at that time. Yet all of you approved of it, and you never negated it, and you never broke from that statement, right? So you're guilty of it too. So likewise, the, 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 when you can say, oh, that quote was from a long time ago, that only works if you retracted it. And in that case, you wouldn't care when the quote was. You would, you would bring up that you retracted it, right? Oh, that, that quote was from a long time. Yeah, but I retracted it. People make mistakes all the time. The brothers got, you know why the brothers got upset on, online? Because it seems that I didn't give much weight to the idea of a scholar being seen with the oppressor and it does give the image and it, and I'm, I'm not going to go into the intention of, of someone like, uh, of, of people. We can't go into the intentions of people, okay? But it would seem to that you are um, insensitive towards the victims of this oppressor. Can anyone deny that that's like sensible statement? Also, does not Allah says, uh, Do not even be lenient. Do not even side with them. Do, or do not, not do not side. It would be, do not relent towards them. Have some softness towards them. Or else the fire will touch you. Okay? So... Yeah, when people see a alim who is seems to be on the outward, all we can see is the outward, is constantly next to or supporting or seems to be working with the oppressor at a time when he's oppressing other people. So yeah, that's going to seem like it's pouring salt in the wound. That's like uh, you're, you are seeming to be insensitive completely. And but Sheikh Said Ramadan Buti is not the only one whose stuff is brought up. Other people, everyone, everyone, there, some quote or something will be brought up. But the logical fallacy of that quote is from years ago, or that debate was from a hundred years ago, or this that that's not the answer. That's a logical fallacy. Okay, the answer is, did you retract it? Right? Did you correct your position? That's the correct answer. Right? That's the correct. Sheikh Murad is here, king of the Caucasus, cometh. Where is that young boy so he can clean up? I don't know why we have a roll, this roll here. It's so weird to see that. And we have all sorts of bottles. No respectful place for Sheikh Murad to sit. You have a haruk. You doing good? What you have there? No, he's with Adam. Mullah al-Qarim. Mullah al-Qarim, mashallah, beautiful. MashaAllah. Did you finish it? Uh, not yet. Why does why does it have an English title when there's no English in the book? Shaykh Ghari Jiddan. Beautiful. So uh so Sheikh Murad, what we were saying is this. When somebody comes and brings out a, a quote or a video clip about another person, okay, or about a Sheikh that you respect, or a Sheikh that someone else respects, then someone comes around and responds to that by saying that quote's from 10 years ago. That quote is from 200 years ago. Is that a valid answer? I mean, if it's 
it's a quote that's established from them, and they haven't, we, as far as we know, they haven't retracted it. Yeah. yeah it still stems. Yeah. So it's not a valid response to tell me it's from five years ago. Yeah. Oh, the video clip is from five years ago. Well, that doesn't make a difference whether five or 50, because they, we said they, who, they took a position against Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Maryam. Everyone who follows the generations and lineages from them, who, uh, who accepts that statement and does not negate that statement or break from those who made that statement, they're kufar like them, right? Until you change your belief, right? So at that point, the correct answer is uh, that not that it was from a long time ago, no, that it was retracted. That's the correct answer, right? That you retracted the statement. So that's a little logical fallacy that I came upon um, this past weekend, and we were just I was just chit chatting with some of my friends and uh, colleagues, and they say like this is uh, nothing less than a logical fallacy that you say oh it's from a long time ago who cares if it's from a long time yeah. ago it's still in your books yeah. right uh, or if it's my sheikh too it applies to me too I, uh, do I follow sheikh or masumin I don't follow any sheikh who's masum that that I know of right Isma's <laughs> done with there's no one masum there's mahfud. But we know the Mahfud only in the past. I don't know if he's Mahfud in the future, right? And there's no such thing as the word Masu means he's impossible for them to commit sin. They do not disobey Allah by their intrinsically Allah or Allah gave it to them, uh, created them with that quality. That's only prophets and messengers. But a regular person can attain wilaya and attain the level of hifd, which means Allah protects them from making sin, committing sins. But that's not some, that's like a description that we see after the fact. That's not a status that you can say, oh, he is that level, or he is this, that, or the other. We, can, we will say that after the fact. We can say that about their past. We can say that in the past five minutes, we were mahfud from sins. From, I don't see that we committed any sins, for example, hypothetically. So no one's masum. And everyone can make khata. So now the question is, if I have a great skull that I love and respect, and a khata was established for him, can I then take, at what point can I take his past knowledge, and at what point can I not take his past knowledge? That is the real question. So what do you know about, is, is Sheikh Murad's mic on? Yeah. Okay. What's what the question know? again? If a mistake is established for my sheikh, mm-hmm. at what point, what level of mistake still allows me to go and benefit from that sheikh's knowledge and what level of mistake and error makes me cancel all of his past knowledge benefiting from his books that he wrote when he was at a time everyone considered him upon guidance mm. I mean uh, I remembered I remember a quote from Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani mm-hmm. where he says yeah. that if your sheikh makes a mistake mm-hmm. then bring it to his attention yes or have someone bring it to his attention. Mm-hmm. And if he retracts, then that's good. Yeah. Right? If he repents and retracts, then that's good. If not, then leave him and continue to follow the sharia. So I guess it would depend on the nature of the mistake. Was the mistake... So I, the, uh, there's several components to it. Like, does he, is his, does he retract his mistake? Does he acknowledge it's a mistake? Because it could be he said something and didn't know what he meant and it's just a slip mm-hmm. of the tongue and he wasn't aware of what the consequences of those words and... That happens all the time. Yeah. Um, was he aware? So, so, so it has to be understood. Does he acknowledge it as a mistake? Mm-hmm. What kind of mistake was it? Was it in the fundamentals of Islam? Was it in the fundamentals of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah? So the way I would assess it would be, you know, based on these type of things that 
you know, what, what kind of mistake are we talking? Are we talking about a mistake in the basics, the foundation of the religion? Mm-hmm. Um, that's enough to, you know, warn and to, you know. What about careful. his past books that are authorized that everyone knows are excellent sources yeah. of knowledge? Do we, are, at what point are we allowed to take from them and at what point do we not? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if the past books are, there's nothing problematic in them and they're still beneficial and they still have that knowledge that you can benefit from and they don't contain any problematic things, then you can benefit from them. Yeah. And if you want to make it a point of, you know, like a, like a point of warning or what do they call like desertion, you can let people know, you know, uh, just so you know. Yeah, uh, so disclaimer. So a disclaimer, yeah. You can make a yeah. disclaimer like we're benef- this book is from an author who today is saying such and such, although this particular book does not contain those things. Yeah. yeah. That's how I would look at it. That's, a, that's the right way to do it. Now, um, if you love that person, is that spiritual blockage? To love that to person? To love someone despite that mistake, would, to, would that person, would we experience some kind of blockage? I mean, if in the, ourselves? The, I depend, I guess it depends from what aspect the love is coming from. Mm-hmm. So if that love is love for good, for, loving good for them, mm-hmm. that they retract and that they, you know, stay on guidance and we wish for them to come back and... Yeah amend themselves that's what that out of our love for them that's different right i mean you have people who are you know they might have family members who are disbelievers and yeah. they still love them that's true and they would love for them to come back to the to, they would love for them to be guided love for them to come to islam mm-hmm. so i guess it goes back to what is the objective of that love is that love you know you, you're aware of the mistake and you don't care and you're going to continue to love the person i could see that as a blockage yeah but you have love for that person and you but you want them to leave that mistake and come back to guidance yeah. out of your love for them. You want them to do that. Yeah. That's the way that's, I That's it. a sensible answer because um, we don't expect anyone to be masum. And you don't yeah. have to go and defend every inch of everything that any of your teachers do or say. Yeah. You don't do that for your parents. You don't do that for your, your mother and father. You don't have to do that for the shiuch either. And it liberates you because I'm not... I'm not divorcing, I'm not cutting the sheikh or disrespecting him just because one mas'ala, I'm going to part ways with him on that. And in West Africa, North Africa, they're extremely free in this regard. And I have seen, I'm not going to say names, to a mufti, two muftis. One is the sheikh of the other. One is the sheikh of the other. And they're on a plane. And they get served... The halal meal on the plane And it's chicken And one of them says No, uh, I hold the machine slaughter Is not valid mm-hmm. And the other, the other is also a mufti, right? So he said, La, Shaykh, it's valid Right? It's valid Because there is no nas Specifying the necessity of The ittisal So that means like What's the difference between a knife I have the chicken here And I have a long knife and I cut it from there. What's the difference? All right, what happens now if I remove the hand and I put a mechanical hand and I just push a button? So mechanical, that's a machine slaughtered, right? So leaving aside that the slaughter actually occurs correctly, that we have to agree upon. But the use of the machine. So they differed on the use of the machine. So the sheikh said, no, no, I don't accept that. He said, okay, good. More chicken for me, right? <laughs> right? And he kept taking it, right? So they also differed on the salat in the airplane. Because one... Um, uh, the the connection to the ground. Mm-hmm. This is actually a mas'ala in fiqh. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, in one case, the sheikh, one mufti said, we make up the prayer when we get there because it's not weak, it, the, the conditions aren't met for salah. Okay. And the other said, no, we, we, we do pray. So they went and separated on all these masail. Okay. All these masail. They separated on these. Mm-hmm. But let's say hypothetically it was a. That's that's just ikhtilaf, really. That's not even khata. Yeah. But if we're saying a misguided error, a misguided error, where you're actually doing harm to the ummah and emotions are involved, even that, we should be able to have a situation where we can say, I'm not going that route on this matter. He's still my sheikh in usul and aqidah and fiqh and all, you're still my sheikh on that. Like we should be able to have an adult mind where we could separate between masa'id. And we do this all the time if you have a big family. Oh, I love him to death, but he, oh, on this subject, don't bring up this subject. He's, we do this all the time with our family. And some families are such that when you get invited to their house, they have to give you a, a, a warning or a, they have to prep you, mm-hmm. right? Okay, you're going to meet so-and-so and so-and-so. Everyone's fine. This person and this person, don't bring up this subject. I, I had students of knowledge going with uh, to see other shiuch. And they would say, do not mention sheikh such and such. Like they, they have beef with each other. We should have be, be like that. And we should be able to say that for anyone in our Senate, if someone came up with a statement from Imam Nawi that was wrong, wrong is wrong, right? That's it. We could say that statement right there is not right. And here's the thing. If there's ikhtilaf on it, bring people who are not connected. That's the thing. So what happens when there's ikhtilaf on it? When there's, no, I think it's okay. No, I think it's not okay. Well, why don't we then bring strangers who are learned? People who are not from our mashrab, our center. Like in West Africa, they don't always read Imam Nawi, right? They don't read Imam, you, you, you don't see in West Africa, Imam Nawi quoted for a lot of things, right? Why would they need him? For Sharh Muslim, they have Qadi Ayyad. Mm. Yeah, Sharh Muslim. Mm-mm. For Shafi'i Fiqh, of course, they don't use him at all, right? So someone could come and look, you're an outsider, when an outsider who has no reason to love you or hate you, and you have a lot of them, they're oftentimes the best arbiters yeah. on a matter. And also, the best arbiter on your own mistake are the people who love you. The people who love you, is the people who hate you, you know they're going to look for any mistake, so it doesn't count. If, if, let's say, some people, adversaries of ours in the field of knowledge and da'wah, they come when they say, oh, this is a mistake here. I'm not going to believe anything you say because you're looking for mistakes, yeah. right? But if my friends come and tell me, oh, by the way, you said this, this was a mistake. That is the best source of knowledge for me, mm-hmm. right? The fairest, clearest minded. So that's how we should approach these things. When there is a fuzziness to it, there will be a fair arbitrator or arbiter of the matter. You're going to say something, my brother? If it's if it's a matter that ends up as iman and kufr, I think it's the same thing. But it, I think it's the same thing. The one thing that would be very clearly dissociation is the murtad. 
Someone who is a murtad in the sharia, he has no more hukuk and he's wiped clean. It's a complete quality control. So we take his books, we throw them out. I don't care what he wrote, the encyclopedia of all of fiqh, we throw it out. And it's the only one that exists in the world. If he's a murtad, right? Maybe you would wait until see if he comes back. If he dies upon that riddah, okay, we throw it out. Because that's ahkam al murtad is different than ahkam or let's say al-mukhti'a or al-mubtada' or something like that. Okay. All right, let's uh, start going to segment number four, your Q&A. Nadira says that the stream coincides with her kid's bedtime so she can never join live. I have a solution for you. AirPods. Uh, most people who put their kids to sleep, they really benefit from AirPods. So uh, Kids can't yank at it if you're holding them, if you're carrying a baby like this. Mm-hmm. They can't yank at the cords, right? So the, one of the best inventions that Apple has done, right? The only thing since Steve Jobs is death that was any use. The watch, no one cares. It's just a Father's Day gift, right? It doesn't change anyone's life. The AirPods change your life. Like, how many times you're allowed to listen to something, but you're doing something, and those cords get in the way and yank out of your ear? That's the worst thing, right? So the AirPods is your is your solution. Is it AirPods or any wireless? They're all, oh, everyone mimics it now. Any wireless, uh, mm. any wireless uh, earbuds. earbuds. Yeah, yeah. All right, any comments or questions? Update of La Cocina. Well, you saw our, I don't know if you have time to pull it from the internet and, and, and show the pictures, but we did publish the before and after pics. Did you see them? Yeah, they're nice. Yeah. Published the before and after pics on Facebook and YouTube and all that. Uh, I mean, kangaroo skin on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sheikh Murad hasn't been here for a while because yeah. he had school, but um, he just noticed the kangaroo skin. So we did have, we do have some Mohibbin in Australia uh, who send us these things. And the whip, oh man, you haven't seen this. Show me, show me this thing. This thing. It requires That's, very little effort to actually whip. This is very dangerous. It will dangerous. go flying, man. Watch. This can cut people. Oh, this can cut yeah, people. This would be haram yeah. in Sharia, by the way. To, to, to use as lashes. To use as lashes would be haram. Watch. Uh, watch out another way. Watch how quick this thing actually... It will. The whole thing will... See that? <laughs> it's not like a belt where you have to actually put effort because it gets so much so light at the end. Right? It gets so light at the end that it whips oh, wow. real quick. This is gnarly. Yeah. It goes from thick to thin. Well, what was this used for? Horses, maybe? Will we read Shifa of Qadi Iyad here? We should. We should. I, I was actually intending to bring it. I was intending to bring it... Um, on the section that the prophets, all the, all the messengers, it is a necess- necessary belief of ours that they did have certain knowledge, not vanni knowledge, certain knowledge about matters of the dunya. 
Doesn't have to be the specifics, right? But they did know about this world. They were not clueless of the world. Okay. So, uh, but that whip, I mean, uh, security guard can hold it. No problem. Where's the bow? Huh? The bow and arrow? There, bow and arrow. Oh, no. Um, well, Soheb, I think someone took it to tighten it. Yep. You guys have yeah, a, from a, from an, there, an outback arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we have—an outback arsenal here. Uh, okay, question here for Sheikh Murad: What is the best online website bookstore for Akida books? Best online website. English, I'm assuming they're asking for English. Yeah. Um, the thing is, when you, well, from my personal experience, is that different stores will have different uh, titles. Mm. So. You have like Al-Balagh bookstore and yeah. others, right? <coughs> Ismail books are... Sorry, that's Arabic. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember... I'm, I'm just thinking, thinking on the top of my head, Balagh bookstore um, for English only. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, and I'm not saying this to like uh, praise myself, but alhamdulillah, yeah. like I've weaned off a lot of English books. Yeah. And that's the reason why like I was selling them. Mm-hmm. Um but I think Balagh Bookstore has a big selection. If you're Balagh Bookstore. Yeah. And that's in California, right? Um, I think it's in the UK, I think. Oh, it's, who did we go to in California? That was um, Jarir Books. And who do they, what do they have? Jarir Only Arabic? Books has, yeah, they have a lot of Arabic books. Um, hmm. Mostly I remember Arabic when we visited them. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Um, but I remember they had a lot of Arabic books. I don't, they hmm. might have some English books like that are Arabic based, but yeah. You know, my my philosophy is is that uh, all of us need to. Uh, we're, we're all at different stages in our Arabic. Yeah. But we should have the goal to wean off translations. Yeah. And do our best to get to the original. Get to the original books in the in the, in the language. That's why the best translations are the ones that have the text under the Arabic, so yeah. you can actually judge that's, yourself. That's uh, I actually I don't keep an English book unless it has the Arabic now. Yeah. So yeah. the only way I'll keep an English book. For the most part, it's like you see that right there, like Bidai fi Suladin. Yeah, that will have the Arabic and the translation. Yeah, so I can I can use them both as a reference. If I want to see what the translation says, I can look at that. If I want to see the Arabic says, I can look at that. Yeah. So always, I believe with the translation, we should keep the original Arabic text inside of it, even if the person can't read it, just for the benefit. This of one has both, right? Yeah, that has both yeah. the Arabic and English the translation. Yeah, try to. That's what it is. You got to inch away at the Arabic. In Arabic, you will inch at it. Uh, inch away at it. It's not. It's not hard. Um, it's just going to take a while because I've I've never seen anyone try hard at it, and eventually the br- the door is going to break down and you'll be reading all these books. Yeah, and that's the key. All right. Next question here. What is the wisdom of the hadith that the age of the ummah is sixty years? Allah Adam. What we can. It's just a description. I would say it's just a description, but it does have a fiqhi basis though. The fiqhi basis is that it does give us um, an answer as to when we would uh, when we would give away the money of somebody in inheritance who it disappeared. If you go mm-hmm. to a web related to al mafqud, al mafqud, the person who's been lost. Mm-hmm. At what point do we take his money and send it and give it out in inheritance? This mic is about to break. Are you Drew engineer? If you can fix that. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. It's about to fall. Yeah. Just need to tighten it. Tighten it. Yeah. 
Okay. So um, that hadith does have that value. The age of average age of the almost 60 to 70 years. And why is that if the individual? It allows you to actually gauge yourself. So I'm close to the end. I'm in the end period. Mm-hmm. The end period is 60 to 70. Anything beyond 70 is extra time. Mm-hmm. Next question. Uh, read me a question. Exactly any questions, but um, did we talk about the DH and do I debate yet? No, I didn't watch it, uh, or see clips. Are there clips? Anything good? I haven't seen clips, but I watched like a couple hours. And I actually watched, oh, yeah, what did you find of it? I mean, I watched like the first few hours, entertaining. Uh, like, like always, he went off topic and he started bringing in like different uh, things that weren't uh, related to the debate. Did he try to bring in Fara'i things to embarrass? He did. Like the- he brought in like theology and you know, all these things. Like yeah. quotes from uh, Ayman and stuff that uh, looked, you know, outwardly uh, blasphemous. And so quotes he didn't from get who? a chance to sorry? quotes from who? Just like different scholars of Ahl Sunnah, like just yeah. you know. Uh, and DH didn't get a chance to respond. Was, what what uh, what is the what was the topic of the debate? It was uh, it was a, a couple of topics. One of them was like slavery within Islam, mm-hmm. uh, patriarchy within Islam. Different like HRQ Patriarchy in Islam Patriarchy like Okay Islam patriarchy. Yeah. Just Stuff like that Like uh, Relate to that mm. So I I assume that he's going to go in And try to embarrass him With uh, um, You know think st- Statements like that yeah. You know That's it's, It is a Method of debating Where you try to embarrass the person And show him that th- Things in his beliefs Are the things that would be embarrassing Okay what is Sheikh Nuh Saunders teaching for ArcView? He's teaching Tajweed for ArcView Basic and Tafsir for ArcView Plus. Uh, he hasn't said which surah yet, but he is teaching a Tafsir class that he's prepared a lot for. Can a Muslim work in a hotel as an accountant? They serve khamr, and he has required to maintain the petty cash vouchers of beers. Can he work in that or not? No, he cannot touch anything in the line of khamr or gambling if they have that too okay I asked this twice but I'll ask it again says Waqas Sheikh what is your take on makhlut mahfil nowadays in in the masajid the ikhtilat is muharram and uh, when it's when the abdan are touching or would would touch that closeness that's where it's absolutely haram that as for that which would be in a situation that would make you look at the other person or contempt you to look at the other person, then you enter into karahiyah, discouragement. Okay. That's basically the ruling on that. And that's the answer I got from Sheikh Mahmoud Shabib. Okay. When the bodies touch, like you're so close that the bodies would touch, that's where... The absolute prohibition, we can say. But if it's simply that being in a similar space to the point that you can look at somebody, then it's forbidden in the or discouraged to the to the degree by which it's tempting to or or unavoidable, right, to look at somebody. So, for example, the supermarket is a place of ikhtilats. There's people walking all around, men and women, right. So your job is just to lower your gaze. In the masajid, 
there should be a separation at least by a distance if it's possible. And some masajid allow for that, and some masajids their their structure of the mosque. It maybe it's not structured in the best way, shape, and best way possible, but they end up being unavoidable that you're going to be in the same hallway or same area uh, with the opposite gender. So you just lower your gaze as much as you can. Sometimes some of the teachers, um, I know some older women, and they pass by, and some of their students from, like, let's say the Islamic school, and they've known these kids since, like, kindergarten. And then the kid becomes talib ilm, right? And then the teacher's walking by, and he just looks down and doesn't say anything to him. But that's like a, a type of ghulu, because if this is someone was your teacher, just like the age of your mother, there's nothing forbidden for you to say salam to somebody at that age, right? With that difference between you. So there shouldn't be that either. Uh, SR says it's 3.25 hours of drivel that just dragged. Talking about, I guess, about the debate. And there was also some post-debate drama coming from the Madkhalis. Really? No, Madkhalis are against... It's 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 soap opera. It's a it's, soap opera. It's ISPN. You just, I would just get out of it. It's man. ISPN. Don't confuse it with Dean. Let me just tell you this. Let's say you're watching that stuff. Do not confuse it with Dean. It's not Dean. It's ISPN. There's ESPN and ISPN. Islamic speakers, you know, programming network, right? Honestly, like, watching the ISBN, Islamic speakers backbiting network. <laughs> yeah. I think DH, like, uh, I wouldn't say he lost uh, at all, but... From what I saw, I think he could have done like a, a lot better. Really? And I think uh, part of it has to do with his lack of like usul. You know, like mm. he doesn't really have a proper understanding of, yep. of interpreting his, uh, Islamic history. So mm. I think that like kind of worked against him in the debate because yep. when uh, Jawad was bringing up a lot of these things, he didn't know how to respond. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, Subhanallah. Um, he does have those leanings. Yeah. So. Hmm. Interesting. Is it permissible to vote for a mayor whose platform doesn't include anything about LigBiddyQ, but he's a left-wing candidate? The best I've heard about voting is that you just, it would be permitted to, if you were only voting for the lower, lesser of two harms. What do you hear about that? Lesser of two harms. And if you don't, and, and permissible, that's it. So you can not vote at all, or you can vote for the lesser of two harms. If the lesser of two harms is known, at least to you, then maybe, I can't ever say incumbent, but it may be appropriate or encouraged for you to choose the lesser of two harms. But who's deciding lesser of two harms, right? Mm -hmm. Who's deciding that? You know, it's a, it's a judgment. If you, get, if you forget which raka you're in, do you need to do sajid sahu? You need to add one raka and do sajid sahu after the salam. Zinat Emporium is in Devon, Chicago. They have a good bookstore. And uh, maybe they have a website too. Zinat Emporium in Devon, Chicago. Wow. Kareem Earl, read the third... He says he hasn't um, 
visited MBIC since 2015. All right, so we're now heading on eight years. So come by, inshallah. A lot of brothers moved. Um, you know, there's always people moving in and out. Can Ilm al ever go against the Quran and the Sunnah? No, of course not. Never can go against the Quran and the Sunnah. Is Udhiyah wajib to the Maliki? Sunnah Mu'akkadah. Sunnah Mu'akkadah. Uh, what is doing deliveries with alcohol? If you know what the delivery is, then you have a problem. You cannot do it. Okay. You cannot do it. If you don't know what the delivery is, you are permitted to deliver a box of the unknown. So every Amazon driver is not obligated to look in the box to see what's in his halal. He's delivering boxes. That's a permitted thing to do. So you do not have to inquire. Same in the Hanafi school. Would I ever consider debating DH? No, I don't debate at all, to be honest with you. That (laughs) debate with Jawad was not intended to be a debate. I don't really debate, right? But here's the thing. I can have a discussion with somebody, but I'll tell you what happened is that he invited me to give a talk. He said, I'm giving a talk on a subject that I know is very dear to your heart, which is the... um, um, perennialist subject Like the, the belief in the Prophet So he said I'm giving the talk And there are going to be graduate students there So I thought he teaches a graduate seminar That was the, my first impression I can probably go back and get the messages And he said come and give the opposite side So that they can get the full perspective So I said okay I think it's actually I have to go now right? Because he's given the talk anyway So I have to go So I said yeah I'll come Send me the ticket and I'll come give the talk and leave that's what i imagine it to be that's it and then he said well then um uh we're going to actually invite the broader community to it okay interesting next step we'll have a discussion afterwards all right next step there's a moderator i got like one thing after the other i just have to say each step was no reason to set to break from it next last thing i found myself on an online debate right but I didn't really, there was no need to back down from it because this is one of the most, you're touching a nerve. For me personally, this subject touches a nerve. And the reason it touches a nerve is that I signed up for GW just to do the master's. Knowing Sayyid Hussein Nasr writes a lot of nice books about Islam and modernism, not knowing this is his belief, right? When I got there, then they said, oh, um, they first, the, the MSA guys, they like wanted to make sure I'm not one of them. I was like, no, I'm not one of them. One of what? And then they explained to me the whole perennialist philosophy. See, back in the day, it was, it was like a small little cult of, of, of professors. It wasn't a well, well-known thing, right? And only a few people knew about it. And they even went back to the Sira tape of Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, and they said, listen to Sheikh Hamza in tape number one. He says in the introduction, he says, he mentions it. And he says, we have nothing like this in Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Two f- flowing streams of... Christianity and Islam, two rivers of truth, blah, blah, blah. And Sheikh Hamza in the Sira set says, you know, they have this belief, we have none of this belief, right? And then they went on and showed me the books and showed me everything. And then they told me they have a dhikr session where they have a lot of food, they do a hadra. And then uh, Professor Nafs gives a talk. And all the assistants, the, the people who get hired, are from that. You know, group, and that—that's why you always. Whoa, a big wasp here. 
is that a wasp or just a uh and then he said all of the these professors look at who writes the forward who who's supporting the book in the back and he's like it's the same five ten names mm. they're like a like a uh you know a group a click a click so I was like, oh, okay. And then what? And then they that it would hit a nerve for them because they lured a couple Egyptians, and one came back and one didn't. Lured a couple. Egyptians. Lured a couple Egyptian students to become perennialists. Oh, so one of them came back and one didn't, right? And so that was something that was like a discovery, and and it was upsetting at the time, like really upsetting and confusing. It's like, how could you you love Islam so much? You love Sufism so much, but the Prophet, peace be upon him, to you, is not an obligatory belief. So where is this salvation coming from? Who is saying to you that, who is declaring that salvation can happen? And salvation from what? Like, who is saying that? Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's Fritz Joff Schwan. That's it. Because if I'm telling you, if we're talking about salvation, the question is from what? Who's threatening us? If Allah is threatening with the fire, then it is Allah alone who can save us from the fire, right? So where in any book, in the Bible, the Torah, or the Quran, does it say this? That anyone who just vaguely has some respect for prophets and is following the spiritual way, right, is saved. So there's no textual. They're very weak on the, the Quran. They're very weak on textual proof, the perennialists. But all their proofs are like these mystical experiences, Frithshof Schwan and all that stuff. And Frithshof Schwan, at the end of the day, Allah humiliated him, right? Because he's like a false prophet now. He's misleading people. He ended up dying upon Native American religion, okay? And he ended up in a lawsuit because of having nude hadras. And then minors were in the hadra too. So you all get together in Indiana where he died, and they're doing hadras in the nude. And they like wear a face mask so you don't get embarrassed. But then you're in the nude. And then uh, a girl, little young girls now. So Allah humiliated you. You ended up in court for, for sexual um, whatever you want to call misconduct. it. Misconduct. Okay. And um, so that hit a nerve. Now when I came, and I always had good relations with Professor Nas. He knows my position. I know his position. And we're, at that time, 9-11 had just happened. So any Muslim was sort of together, right? And I really appreciated, we really appreciated him as that. And he, firstly, he's a Shia to begin with, then perennialists. And I'm like, okay, in the world of academia, there's hardly any sympathetic people. So we got along fine. He knows I don't take from him. And he knows he can't recruit me to this because I have already established in what I'm on. So we had a distance, but very respectful. Right. Time passes, and it's now fifteen years later, and this thing I start seeing it seep into the common Sunni Muslim, you know, discourse, and it just like I I can't take it because they're sneaky. They don't come out and tell you we are perennialists. This is our belief. No, they put themselves in as regular Muslims, right? And it's sneaking in there, right? Just declare your name of your madhab, right? We are perennialists and we believe this. Okay, no, you have to be sneaky, right? So I was just really like inflamed that how, you know, some scholars who know better 
allowed this, mm. you know, you ushered this in and you don't see the threat and the danger of this? You're just assuming no one's going to follow it? No, people could follow it. And one kid did become a perennialist. Or not become a perennialist. He, became, he, was, he went from a Sunni who attended the Rihla at Zaytuna with me. Okay. 16 years later, he's a, he's a British Pakistani guy. 16 years later, became a Catholic here in Columbia, New York. Columbia University became a Catholic. And I don't know what his state is right now. Right. Through what? Through perennialism. Right. So in any event, that was my thing. And to say, to someone say, well, I'm not a perennialist, that's nice and wonderful, but I'm also not a Hanafi. I'm not a Hanbali. I'm not something doesn't mean it's kufr. Right. So to say, someone says, I'm not a Hanafi, or I'm not a perennialist, that's okay, that's all nice and good. But is it kufr or not? Is this doctrine kufr or not? That's the real question. Right. I don't, what do I care what, what someone is or isn't, right? Just tell me, well, is it kufr or not? So um, that was that's the whole thing with the perennialists. And so when Jawad then invited me to this, so I want you to give your speech. He's not approaching it from a perennialist standpoint. He's approaching it from a, I guess it's an Ibn Sina standpoint. Or I don't know what the standpoint is, uh, or the, what... It's just a purely modernist standpoint, I guess. Do you think his intention was always to debate? Like you said, he started adding all these conditions. Was that like his plan all along or just kept, you know? You know what? It's interesting. I should probably go into the message. It's probably not Islamically appropriate to read exactly what the messages were. But I think it, I guess it was always a debate, but it wasn't come and debate me. Then I would have said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not getting involved in a circus, right? Yeah. But it was in in the beginning. I'm a hundred percent. It was come give the opposite talk that I'm giving to the students, mm-hmm. as if he has a graduate seminar and he's going to give them a talk, and he's being fair and giving me a platform to give the opposite talk, because he knew that this was an issue that I wrote about earlier. So, um, but I, I guess he, I, I'm assume that he did know mm. and plan just see how far it would go. So. Um, Chocolate Wallace says, I watched all 6.5 hours of the debate. Six and a half hours? What? What? How much ragi can you do? Ragi, ragi, ragi. Six and a half hours. One of the funniest, wow. The funniest part of the debate, like, yeah. in my opinion, was um, when, you know, Posse Prophet, that Murtad. Yeah, that Murtad, yeah. So uh, they have this nickname. They call him Apus, right? And so DH uh, is like referring to him as Apus. Yeah. And then Jawad accidentally calls him Apus uh, accidentally, and then uh, later he apologized. He's like, "Yo, uh, Apus, you know, Apostle Prophet, you're watching this. I didn't mean to offend you, whatever. Uh, you know, it's not Islamically in the Quran. We're not supposed to call people nicknames." Oh my is like, gosh. Then, oh, oh, what is Abu Lahab? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you call someone a nickname so that it becomes known that people stay away from them, and you don't openly respect. And Mubtada For the sake of the common folk You know there's so many things in the Sharia is not for your sake Or their sake It's for everyone else's sake mm-hmm. Also if you look at the rulings of living in Dar al-Kufr The ruling of the Tahrim comes Because You're if It's for your lineage Right Because if one person goes astray In Dar al-Kufr The whole lineage is shot Then someone had to convert back into Islam The whole He will be absorbed into Kufr 
But if one person in Darul Islam goes astray, his lineage is absorbed in Darul Islam. Mm -hmm. His lineage is going to be absorbed in Islam, right? It's not going to be absorbed. His lineage may not follow him on some weird union. And we had that in our family. In my family, my mom's uncle was a hardcore communist atheist, atheist communist Egyptian, right? But none of his lineage got absorbed into communism. Mm -hmm. They were regular Muslims. So six and a half hours. And here's Chocolate Wallace says, Jawad brought a Quranic, Quranist perspective and spun ayahs in a ridiculous way. DH called him out on the historical critical method, but let some stuff slide. Is anything productive in these debates? Right? I really wonder what kind of Islamic education that debate, uh, us, I'm like, the debate hosts. He's not a Muslim guy. He's just a, huh? He's a Christian guy who debate. He's a he's a host. I guess that's his business, right? It's a great. It's sort of. I guess it's a fun business, right? Right. It's his business, right? The debate, whatever it's called. But this guy, uh, I I wonder how much knowledge of Islam he has these days, because he's debate. He's he's hosted a lot of Muslim debates. That guy, the guy who looks like uh, Hamza Tortzitz. Yeah. All right, folks. We got to wrap up. We got. We got one. We, we have Celebrate Mercy, by the way, today at 5 o'clock. I wonder what time I'm up. I'll have to see. We got office hours. We, I have a meeting. We got a call. We got Celebrate Mercy. We got another office hours. Then we got the iftar at the masjid. So I, I wonder who's bringing up the iftar. So, all right, folks. Jazakumullah khairan. We'll stop here and we'll go pray dhuhr. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله